0: It's It's time for no disclosure again, yes it is, (laughs) we're just, (laughs) we're back man, Uh, it's been a week already, been a heck of a week too at that, so, how's everybody doing? I'm doing fancy. Are you doing fancy? Well, if your fanciness has dipped a little bit here recently, let me resupply that. huh? Because that's what No Disclosure is for, kids. (laughs) Welcome to No Disclosure. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor, Prevail Guitar Works, and Asylum817.com. This podcast is where we go on the news, see what's going on in the world, and based like fine, expensive turkeys in the sheer audacity and craziness that is our news media. People have to deal with a lot of junk in their lives, and with the climate things are in, no disclosure exists to not only improve your level of inner fanciness, but to hopefully take your mind off the disaster for a while. So let's get into it. Do what we do best and have a little fun. Shake off your shoes and set that mental bag of bricks down in the entryway of my mind. And let's begin. So, we need to cruise and see what's going on in the weird news this week. (laughs) Yes. What is this, episode like 8,000? This is awesome. No, we're uh, <laughs> we're creeping up on uh, episode 100, which is crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe no disclosures even lasted this long. I, I didn't think it'd make it past the pilot. I thought I would, you know, go insane way before this point. So uh, now that we're here, let's party with it. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. First in the newsage, what is this? COVID-19 inspires 1,200 new German words like Geischenkondung or Face condom? What? <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> the co- <laughs> what in the hell am I reading? The COVID-19 pandemic has inspired a linguistic shift across the globe, introducing many phrases to the English lexicon, from social distancing to super spreader event. True. Germany, however... Hey, German listeners, how's it going? The number of new words inspired by the pandemic exceeds 1,200... Wow, that's a lot of words you guys came up with <laughs> According to a list compiled by the Leibniz Institute for the German Language This is a dramatic increase from the normal 200 or so words that annually enter the German language according to the Institute The lengthy list, assembled via careful monitoring of new terms as they appear in articles, is due to German's tendency to combine words together For instance, I'm not even going to try that word Corona mutation is which is a mashup of the words corona, mutation, and area, and refers to a place where the coronavirus variants are quickly spreading. I wanna, okay, let's see what, a, I wanna see the weird ones, because uh, just cruising this article here, I saw some weird stuff. Other intriguing combinations include the uniquely German Corona Footschusskommandamen, which translates to Corona foot greeting, and describes the alternative to handshakes that many were forced to adopt. What? During the early stages of the pandemic, Geishen's condom or face condom (laughs) is one of several new words for masks. (laughs) While masking's throttle refers to a mask idiot or someone who fails to wear a face mask properly. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, Germany, I love you. Whenever I see somebody at the store or whatever that's not wearing their damn mask correctly, I'm going to call them... uh, uh, what is it? A masking <laughs> That just, I don't know. That's so poetic sounding for, uh, you know, people who freaking act like that. That's awesome. So look at that masking over there. <laughs> that's great. Uh, new word. Christine Moores, who worked at the Leibniz Institute list, told The Guardian that when viewed together, these words reflect a, a history of the pandemic. Dangs do not have that do not have a name can cause people to feel fear and insecurity. However, if we can talk about things and name them like the Germans are known to do, then we can communicate with each other, especially in times of crisis. This is important. Well, my favorite thing about this is the the (laughs) Maskinstrottle. I freaking love that. (laughs) Germany, you guys rule. Uh, You are, uh, I don't know, you guys are a lot more poetic with your uh, (laughs) pointing out (laughs) douchebags. <laughs> uh, I like that. Uh, uh, a happy husky literally says no when asked to come from inside the snow. I always see like when you're on uh, when you're on YouTube and stuff and you look at you know at dogs who are really whiny and just kinda, you know, bitching, No, oh, I don't want to. It's always husky. So is that a husky thing? Like they're always really vocal about not wanting to take bats or not wanting to. They just real whiny babies. I want a Husky. They're pretty doggies. Uh, new, uh, what is this? North Carolina woman adopted as an infant discovers her biological father is on the FBI's most wanted list after a DNA test. See? Again, this is why I don't want to do this DNA test stuff. This is why I don't want to do it. <laughs> Cassie's all for it. Cassie has expressed many an interest you know, in wanting to do this DNA test stuff. I'm terrified to do it because I know my luck. I'm gonna find out something weird. Like this lady here. North Carolina woman who was adopted as an infant infant, has discovered through genealogical sleuthing that her biological father is one of the FBI's most wanted fugitives for brutally murdering his own mother, wife, and three sons in 1976. Uh, Holy cow. Kathy Gilchrist began searching for her biological parents in 2017 and, um, Yeah, found out something very interesting. She connected with Susan Gilmore, a third cousin on her biological mother's side, whose knack for genealogical research helped her to dig deeper into Gilchrist's family history. Gilmore followed the clues that led to the revelation of Gilchrist's biological father, which was ultimately confirmed with DNA testing. Gilchrist recalled getting the news and asking Gilmore, is this somebody famous? Well, kind of. (laughs) The man she found... ...was William Bradford Bishop Jr., who would actually be 84 today, and that he was wanted by the FBI for killing his family. Kathy Gilchrist was the product of a previous relationship between Bishop and a different woman who gave her for adoption. Bishop is accused of bludgeoning to death his 68-year-old mother, gee whiz, 37-year-old wife, and their three sons, ages 5, 10, and 14, in Bethesda, Maryland, on March 1st, 1976, according to the FBI... He allegedly drove the bodies to Columbia, North Carolina, where he buried them in a shallow grave and lit them on fire. Oh, man. Okay. The FBI described Bishop as a longtime insomniac who reportedly had been under psychiatric care in the past and had used medication for depression. He was intense and self-absorbed, prone to violent outbursts, and preferred a neat and orderly environment. Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) Now, here's the twist. Bishop, whose whereabouts remain unknown to this day, should be considered armed and extremely dangerous with suicidal tendencies, according to the FBI. Gilchrist told Bethesda Magazine that she believes Bishop, who has an American Studies degree from Yale and a Master's degree in Italian from Middlebury in Vermont, is living abroad. My gut feeling is that he's alive and living in Europe, she told the outlet, because he lived in Europe for a time. He had the means and cognitive abilities To get himself back there. Wow. (laughs) I know that these uh, stories here are kind of, you know, perhaps few and far between, right? But, uh, man, this is why I don't want to do this. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) No. Just no. This is how my luck works. This is how things always turn out. I I guarantee if I do it, I'm I'm just going to see something weird. I, I just know it. What is this? Passenger uses pepper spray on an airplane preparing to take off. Everybody started coughing. Well, yeah. (laughs) Some passengers on a flight from Florida to New Jersey were left feeling salty after their flight was delayed by a man discharging pepper spray on board the plane. What the hell? The plane for United Flight 1061 from Fort Myers to Newark on Monday... Was taxiing and preparing to take off when a passenger said he accidentally hit the pepper spray on his keychain. How was he allowed to bring that on the plane? I mean, you can't bring a freaking lighter or a ballpoint pen, but he could bring pepper spray. Joseph Grande, which means Big Joseph in Spanish. Sorry. (laughs) I had to. A fellow passenger on the plane told Fox 4 that he could feel burning in his throat. Everybody started coughing, and during COVID, everybody starts looking around. I grabbed my mask, he said. Passengers were given the option to get off the plane, according to the report. Grande and his fiance were among those who opted to catch a later flight. She was still coughing. I still felt it, he told Fox 4. It was like, this isn't going away. So that's when we decided to hop off. Okay. Uh, United Airlines spokesperson confirmed that the flight returned to the gate due to a disruptive incident involving a customer prior to takeoff. The flight safety department soon after responded, now, I'm, wor- I'm wondering about the pepper spray. Pepper spray, oh, here we go. Pepper spray is not permitted in carry-on bags, according to the TSA. Passengers can bring one four-ounce container of mace or pepper spray in checked baggage, as long as it has a safety mechanism to prevent accidental discharge. The, t- <laughs> the TSA told Fox 4 the agents missed the spray canister. Ooh, somebody's fired. Agents at the, report, at the airport were given a refresher course, I'm sure they were, to ensure they can spot them in the future. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, uh, yeah, retraining my butt, somebody got straight up canned. That's, <laughs> that's just kind of a double entrentia there. Canned, get it? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, wonderful. Nice to see humans are still being humans. Sea slugs sever their own heads and regenerate new bodies. That's not creepy at all. Shoe Zone announces Terry Boot as next fine. Okay, I don't care. Um, Skibbity, wow, Skibbity, wop wop. The world's oldest bird hatches a chick at age of seventy. Wow, that is crazy, boss. Yes. Okay, there's the there's the surgeon that did the Zoom meeting again. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what the hell? Eighty? 80- Whoa! I gotta see this. What the heck? 80 alligator heads were seized in police raid on a house in Birmingham. The joint investigation involved officers from the National Wildlife Crime Unit. That's a thing. NWCU. I want to work for the National Wildlife Crime Unit. Is that like uh, the cops in Zootopia? Is that what it is? And wildlife crime officer volunteers. 80 alligator heads. Okay. Have been... (laughs) What do you need alligator heads for? Have been seized after a police search of a house in Birmingham. West Midlands Police... Said the raid took place at a property in Perry Bar on Thursday morning. Joint investigation involved officers from the National Wildlife Crime Unit, or you know, the Zootopia cops, I'm just gonna say that. And the Forces Wildlife Crime Officer volunteers. A statement said we received information that the heads were being imported from abroad illegally and sold on through eBay to buyers all around the world at a huge profit to the seller. Why the hell would you buy an alligator head? What is just a weird paperweight? We carried out some crazy kung fu weapon? We ca- why, why would you buy one? I mean, what use is there for one? Uh, okay, the warrant was conducted under the Control of Trade Endangered Species Act. Uh-oh. And a 44-year-old man has been voluntarily interviewed. Hmm. What, why would you buy alligator heads? Is it a decorative thing? Is it... I gotta see this. Uh, let me pull up Google. Why the hell would you buy... Alligator heads. What do people use these for? This is a thing. Gator heads have been preserved, sealed, and the backs painted black. Alligator heads are the perfect, unique souvenir for gator fans. And the collectors of the weird and unusual cannot be exported. (sighs) Okay. Uh, I suppose everybody is into things. I have my stuff I'm into. But uh, that's that's a little Ed Geinish, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> just collecting alligator heads. Like I said, you know, that's the only thing you can do. Either keep the teeth in and make yourself like a really weird, cool, like, kung fu weapon. Or just have a really gnarly paperweight. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, neighbors sin. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Mom is devastated after 8 out of 25 kids turn up to daughter's birthday party. Well, welcome to how it was in the freaking 90s, (laughs) before everybody was lame. (laughs) Uh, I can understand how that sucks. You feel for your kid and stuff. You invite 25 kids to the birthday party for your kid. You know, only 8 kids show up. But, uh, I mean, this is how it used to be, man. My kids, they're, they're not going to know <laughs> like what it was like when I was growing up. You have Valentine's Day at school, right? And, um, you know, everybody has their, it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's what m- partially what made us what we were, what made us uh, tougher, I guess. And I was at the end of this. I'm a millennial. I, ugh, My spine shakes when I have to say that. I'm a millennial. So I was at the tail end of this kind of thing. You know, it's Valentine's Day, you're in grade school, whatever, and you have this thing that you made at the front of your desk to catch, you know, all the valentines, whoever wants to put one in there. And it was kind of a, you know, not everybody was required to get one. (laughs) Not every kid had to bring valentines for the whole damn class. And, uh, you know, if you were the weird kid, the smelly kid or whatever, maybe you got the one or two charity valentines. But, uh, I mean, it was... It was brutal. <laughs> Sometimes you did not get one at all. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I think uh, we're, we're losing sight of that. And we're just, I don't know, man. I know that generations before mine were even tougher than that. And I'm sure that they would say, even having Valentine's Day in school, man, you guys are pansies, you know. Uh, but it has just been getting steadily worse, hasn't it? I mean, just last night, Cassie was talking about... Um, like, uh, we're getting rid of Pepe Le Pew, Dr. Seuss books, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that we've grown up on and didn't think anything of it. Pepe Le Pew, I'd hate to jump on this bandwagon here, but Pepe Le Pew was kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, he's, like, forcing himself on this woman. I am coming to find you. You know, he was just... He would grab the cat, you know, and just start making out with it. Pepe Le Pew, that was... He was a little forceful. I, I, I'm i not agreeing with the Pepe Le Pew thing. But I'm just saying I, I kind of see that one. <laughs> I do. I mean, he was like two steps away from raping. <laughs> come on. Come on. Pepe Le Pew was kind of fucked up. You got to admit. But, uh, you know, banning all this stuff and all that. But no... Uh. No, there's no discussion on what's going on with, uh, you know, I uh, uh, (laughs) one of the most disgusting things that the government has ever done was the PMRC. If you guys don't know what that was, it crept up in the late 80s, early 90s. The government, a bunch of senators' wives got together. This really happened. Youngins. Bunch of senators' wives got together who had too much time on their hands, Apparently. And uh, they said that music is what's contributing to the death of American values. It had nothing to do with them dropping bombs on other countries for no reason, screwing over the American people and pocketing all the money they possibly could. It had to do with the music that we were listening to, apparently. And they singled out a bunch of bands, a bunch of different groups and stuff like that. Uh, And their aim, headed up by Tipper Gore... Was to, and direct quote here this is what she said to either place some kind of, put some kind of uh, warning in place or restricting content. Those were her words. Basically, the government was saying, we're going to take your fucking music away because we don't like the things that they're saying. Now, <laughs> you can get into a lot of this, <laughs> but what happened was their poster boy at the time, that they wanted to make an example of was D Snyder and they hauled his ass in and uh you know they had this big court thing on TV and he's talking to you know the Senate and all this they're trying to shut down the government straight up said at one point we are going to tell you what kind of music to listen to and not to listen to it was messed up but what they didn't learn in their research was that D Snyder was clean he was sober and he spoke English fluently and they were not ready for him uh, they, in their you know impeccable government research, did not realize they picked the absolute wrong person <laughs> to put on the other end of the stand. Why not get Ozzy or something? You know, somebody who's like high half the time. Even now that he's clean and sober, he still don't know where the hell he is. You know, you get D. Snyder, <laughs> who's just you know clean, sober, and full of piss and vinegar. He handed the government their ass. But see, here's what's happening. I don't know if it's just a getting older thing, but I'm seeing. Uh, man the, the the stuff that's in music now, the uh, oh my God I mean, it's just it's it's in it's insanity, especially in the rap, hip hop and pop thing. I mean it's just uh, I, I don't believe in restricting content. I believe in free speech and all that, but why are we banning this stuff that we grew up on and we ended up just fine and they're completely ignoring uh forgive me for the x-rated language. But they're completely ignoring everybody's listening to a song called Wet-Ass Pussy, right? And (laughs) that gets on the charts for some reason, and we're banning Dr. Seuss. It's like, where are your priorities at? Anyway, maybe I'm just old. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm just old. But man, the stuff that was around when I was younger, uh, here we go. Yeah, I guess I am sounding old. But, you know, (laughs) we had, at the time it was, you know, Burn in Hell, Purple Rain, When Doves Cry, See No Evil, Dr. Feel Good, and now we got wet-ass pussy, I guess. It's it's, it's just, you know, where are you going to draw the line, man? Anyway, (laughs) here we go. But yeah, uh, I don't even know how this whole rant started. It's just that we, uh, yeah, we're we're a bunch of freaking ninnies now. I don't know what the hell happened. Could you blame my generation for it? Probably our parents. I don't know whose fault it is, but it's got to stop, damn it. Uh, it's kind of like the you know after the Columbine thing, right? Uh, it's like after the whole Columbine thing, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold uh, before they went and shot up Columbine High School, they listened to Marilyn Manson and played Doom. Yeah, so did about a million other people too, right? That didn't go shoot up their school. Uh, I'd hate to side with a psychopath like Michael Moore, but uh, you know he he did have a point when he said. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold also went bowling that morning. So you know why did the government say you know it's you know less about Marilyn Manson and more about bowling? Huh? There could be some hidden aggression there in the game of bowling, right? No one ever looked at that. That's a little extreme. But uh, I just man, when you see at the long and the short of it, I'm just gonna say this: when you see things crashing, and you know it's not going to end up working out, it's it's such a helpless feeling. It really is that, you know, the uh, the government or all these Karens or, you know, whatever's causing this. It's not going to do anything. It's just going to make people feel even more oppressed and pissed off. Could be the point. This could be all a plan. I don't know. Anyway, uh, man deserves knighthood for shepherd's pie. I don't know anything about shepherd's pie. I'm from America, guys. <laughs> I'll have to look it up to see what even, you know, shepherd's pie is. Burger King caused a stir on International Women's Day saying women belong in the kitchen. Oh, my God. Seriously? What the hell, Burger King? Is this real? Burger King has sparked outrage over their International Women's Day post on Twitter, which says women belong in the kitchen and was intended to promote female chefs. Chefs. Okay, I, I understand that. You're wanting to promote female chefs. But you don't say that. (laughs) Don't say they belong in the kitchen. Uh, There's a difference between everybody getting butthurt about everything and people just being stupid. Burger King, this was dumb. (laughs) March 8th is International Women's Day. And to celebrate, many people have been sharing posts and photos of inspirational women on social media. But a post by the fast food chain Burger King in the UK has caused controversy online. (laughs) Writing on Twitter, I gotta see this, they shared their message, women belong in the kitchen, dumbasses. They later followed this up, adding, if they want to, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. The tweet has gone viral, garnering over 77,000 likes. And more than 20,000, quote, tweets. Women belong in the kitchen. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep, I'm seeing it on Twitter. It's right here. Wow. The KFC gaming account replied, the best time to delete this post was immediately after posting it. I agree, KFC. Which, uh, KFC, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, when you're being called out by KFC, after all the fucked up shit they've been accused of, even recently, that's pretty bad. When KFC is dogging you on Twitter, you got problems. <laughs> <laughs> to which Burger King said, oh, they make it worse, too. I guarantee it. Why would we delete a tweet that's drawing attention to a huge lack of female representation? To- and they still, it's like they still don't get it. We thought, how does this stuff get overlooked? Uh, it w- it was no—was there not one person at the office that raised his hand and was like, what the hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> We we thought you'd be on board with this as well, KFC. We launched a scholarship to help give more of our female employees the chance to pursue a culinary career. It's like even after being called out by KFC of all people, they didn't even notice it. <laughs> that's wow. Uh, not everyone was upset about the tweet, though. People, yeah, I'm, you know, but yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, I'm not upset about it. It's just uh, some dumbass thing that they said. They didn't mean it probably it's just that they were so dumb they didn't <laughs> they didn't realize what they all they were saying i get it you're wanting to empower female chefs the ratio is off there's not enough female chefs and stuff like that i get it your intentions were good there but you just <laughs> there's a difference between you know I draw a line there with everybody becoming, a you know, just a freaking wuss in the world nowadays and all these Karens changing everything and, you know, all that crap. And I was just going along with it. Government saying, "Okay, we'll ban Dr. Seuss while everybody's listening to wet ass pussy. (laughs) And, you know, uh, just the company saying dumb. This was stupid. Burger King, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) You don't I understand what you're doing, but you don't fucking say it like that, dude. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, Burger King. Good job there. <laughs> you had one job. You had one job, Burger King. Okay. Let's see what else we got. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. Uh, let's see. In the mirror in the UK, Amazon customers and stitches after asking delivery driver to hide parcel from kids. Don't care. Skibbity bow, skibbity wow skibbity wop, wop, skibbity bae, skibbity bop, bop, beep boop a well, I'm not saying shit. Not saying shit. Ah, greedy couple, shame for tacky wedding invites that demand guests give money. We read that one already. Okay, let's go to another website. Mirror, you're usually my go-to, guys. For almost like guaranteed different crazy news. I guess not today, right? <sighs> okay. Um, and uh, I don't know why I still have NPR on my uh, bookmarks list. No idea. Uh, they haven't updated NPR. You guys really got to step it up. You have they haven't updated their website in 100 years. Uh, There's a seasog thing. Wow. <laughs> Gee whiz, humans! I'm a little disappointed. We're not uh, doing any crazy wacky shit this week. Ah, okay, we need to go to. Um, let's see, let's go to VT. VT for me is kind of the new, uh, kind of the new mirror. Remember how we always went on the mirror and they always had something new, right? VT is kind of like uh, turning into that for me. Uh, Teacher shows off her. You no, know, I don't care. Um, wow, little light today, guys. A little light. Oh, I see a picture of Robin Williams. Got to read this. I don't care what it is. Robin, I actually heard about this. Uh, that's true. I thought it was just a uh, one of those rumors. Robin, apparently, it's true. Robin Williams made every company he worked for hire homeless people. His booking agent has come out and said as if we didn't already know how incredible Robin Williams was. Apparently, his booking agent has shared a story of the late actor that cements his legacy as one of the kindest men in Hollywood. Many of us, uh, you know, we, we have a special place in our hearts for the late actor, thanks to his hilarious and heartwarming perform- performances and, well, everything. But if you ever need a confirmation that Williams was also a remarkable man off screen, here you go. Booking agent, uh, what's his name, Brian Lord has shared a little-known Robin Williams story to his personal website that details just how caring the man was. He begins his story by writing, Years ago, I learned a very cool thing about Robin Williams, and I couldn't watch a movie of his afterward without thinking about it. I never actually booked Robin Williams for an event, but I came close enough that his officer sent over his writer. Okay, whatever. Um, Oh, he received Robin Williams' writer, and um, it says, oh, wow. He actually had a requirement that for every single event or film he did, the company hiring him also had to hire a certain number of homeless people and put them to work. Holy cow. That's awesome. I'm sure that on his own time with his own money, he was working with these people in need, but he also decided to use his clout as an entertainer to make sure that production companies and event planners also learned the value of giving people a chance to work their way back. Man, you know, I wonder how many uh, how many production companies continued the practice, right? Don't you think that? Like, after his death? Into their next, uh, you know, non-Robin Williams projects? And even after he passed? <whistles> oh, hi, cat. What the hell are you meowing about? God, did you hear that? <whistles> Jeez. It's like in those old... Fo- I swear, it's like in those old 40s cartoons. You know, when the cat's trying to impress the female cat? And he stands on the top of the fence, you know, singing... Listen to that. He's freaking out. Knock it off, dude. I'm doing stuff. Are you just mad that you don't have thumbs and you can't do a podcast? Well, that's not my fault. I mean, obviously, you can speak cat pretty well and very loudly. I mean, I'll hook. I'll tell you what, Wasabi. I'll hook up the podcast stuff. I'll put you in this chair. We'll adjust the mic, you know, so you can uh, do like a a podcast for cats. You know, cat language. I'll do that. I mean, that's fine. You don't need thumbs. Just come up and tell me. Just let me know. Don't, you know, shout it while I'm recording. All you got to do is just, you know, pick a moment when I'm not doing something and just be like, hey, I need you to, uh, you know, (laughs) I need you to help me with my podcast. I know that's what you're wanting to do. Crazy, man. So anyway, geez, back to it. Now he's just staring at me. Now, Uh, See, this is what I wonder, is how many film companies have continued this practice, right? How many people got a chance at a job and the pride of earning an income, even temporarily, from his actions? Is this something that they carried on? And, uh, you know, this year, believe it or not, will mark seven years since he passed away. And I think it's pretty neat that we're still hearing amazing stories. Like this of how remarkable Williams was throughout his life, isn't that cool? I mean, Robin Williams. Ah, we miss you, man. I did not uh, know that. I had heard about the homeless thing, but I I didn't know that that was uh just I thought that was just a story. Pretty awesome. Wow, Robin Williams, you freaking rule, dude. Uh, VT is still giving us stuff, so let's stay on it. Natalie. Portman shows off incredible transformation as female Thor in on-set pictures. Natalie Portman. <laughs> I, always, I always liked her as an actress because I remember her as a teenager from Heat. Remember that movie? She was very young in that film. I thought she was great even back then. I was like, wow, this is an actress You know that you want to watch out for. She's fantastic. But I didn't realize uh, how great... An actress she was until I saw Black Swan. That movie scared the hell out of me. I mean, she was uh just bizarrely amazing in that movie. If you haven't seen Black Swan, I mean it's not about ballet and stuff like that, even though Swan Lake is badass. Uh, you know, you've you've got to see that movie. And Natalie Portman is awesome. Don't judge her based on the Star Wars movies. Uh Hayden ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> just let, Let's just kind of You know Try and see if we can forget those uh, Photo Uh No I don't want to see that I don't care A seven year old boy With cerebral palsy Saves his family From a gas leak By crawling to parents' bedroom Whoa Really We gotta see that A seven year old boy With cerebral palsy Saves his family From Fam Saves his family From a gas leak By crawling into the parents' bedroom Wow a young wheelchair user with cerebral palsy saved his family from a potentially lethal gas leak after calling to his parents' bedroom to warn them of the danger. Last month, seven-year-old Michael Martinez was woken by a loud beeping sound ringing through in his family's home in Alito, Texas, Fox News reports. However, after realizing that he was only the only person in the house hearing the beeping, Michael decided to take action. The younger youngster... Who regularly uh, uses a wheelchair due to his cerebral palsy opted to crawl to his parents' bedroom in order to wake his mother. As well as his parents, Michael's three cousins were also in the house. Wow, that's crazy. The mom said she initially thought the beeping was just a smoke alarm, alerting the family that his battery was low. Okay. All right. Listen, lady, if you hear beeping from anything that sounds even remotely like a smoke alarm when you're sleeping, don't just assume it's the fucking battery. That's when you get your ass up and see what the hell's going on. Are you serious? <laughs> she thought the beeping was just the smoke alarm. Ah, oh, that's all right. Smoke alarm is beeping. Oh, it's probably low on battery. Uh, you know, we've all been that tired, but come on. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, her husband soon realized the noise was coming from their carbon monoxide alarm. My ass. It took your kid with cerebral palsy being a fucking hero. And crawling into your room to get your lard ass out of bed, <laughs> let you know that it wasn't just the battery going. Husband realized it, my ass. After quickly Googling what four beeps on the alarm meant, she was terrified to learn that her home ended a critical level of carbon monoxide. Uh, the mom phoned a helpline, which instructed her to immediately open all the windows in the home. And uh, so when did where does the kid come in? Okay, here we go. She was feeling sick and nauseous by the time uh, she got outside. So, okay, so here's what I'm gathering here. Uh, See, look, uh, okay, listen to this. She says, oh, I heard beeping from the thing, and then I Googled it and said, oh, it's your carbon monoxide alarm and all this. And then lower in the article it says, uh, we told him he's our hero. If it wasn't for him, we never would have woken up. So I don't know why the article is being flip-floppy like this. But uh, this is what happened. A kid, seven-year-old, with cerebral palsy crawls into his parents' bedroom to warn them that this thing is going off. This kid is fucking Superman. This kid should be given a medal. He's a hero. That's awesome. Wow. And, you know, it's... Uh, guilty as charged sometimes. I'll straight-up admit it, even though most, most people won't. When you see somebody who has severe palsy or some kind of uh, mental deficit. Uh, Cerebral palsy is not a mental deficit. I know a guy who suffers from palsy and he's sharp as a tack. Cerebral palsy is not a mental thing. But, you know, you see somebody like that and you see somebody, you know, who's catatonic or has even some kind of mental deficit or whatever. We tend to see these people as less sentient. You know what I mean? Uh, at least I've done it in the past. I, I'm sh- very shamefully admitting that, but I think we all do it. Uh, going back to Robin Williams, <laughs> it's kind of like that scene in Patch Adams, you know, when um, you know, they're kind of joshing on that guy who's catatonic, and the doctor gets onto him and says, you know, he can't participate, you know, it's on Patch Adams. He can't participate, Patch. He's catatonic. Robin Williams says, he's still got a brain. You know, maybe he wants to participate. Good way to think. I think we tend to, uh, well, you know, I, I think I I said it the most eloquently that my brain can come up with something, and you know, and <laughs> use my mouth words and face hold to come up with stuff. I, I think it. I I did say it. the uh, you know, the the best there is that we we tend to see people who have conditions like this as less. Sentient, but uh, you know, that's the that's that's pretty amazing. It really restores not only my you know respect for people who uh, you know, have palsy and stuff like that, but you know, a kid who suffers from this kind of thing, you wouldn't think that he would be, you know, that the seven year old kid with severe palsy would be as badass as that, right? I mean, get out of the wheelchair and crawl to the parents' bedroom. Uh, your parents who apparently hear beeping from what they think is the smoke alarm battery dying and just decide, hey, you know, it's okay, we'll check it in the morning. (laughs) So this kid has potentially saved, you know, his entire family's life. So hopefully his fucking mom will realize, hey, if it's in the middle of the night and you hear beeping that sounds even remotely like the damn smoke alarm, you get your fat ass up and you check it. (laughs) Don't wait for your seven year old, you know, who's crippled with cerebral palsy to come in and save your ass. But that's uh that's awesome. Way to go, little man. You're a fucking hero. You rule. Somebody give that kid some kind of award or certificate or something. I want the NFL I want you know what? I want the WWE, whatever it is now. I don't I don't watch wrestling anymore. Haven't since the heyday. But I want one of you guys. Get John Cena over there. Find out who this kid's fucking hero is, you know, the rock or some shit and send him over there. That's freaking awesome, man. And Nicolas Cage. Wow. What is up with Nicolas Cage, man? Has he worked off this tax debt yet? <laughs> Has he? Has he worked off this thing yet? Can, can we get back to him making some really good movies? Uh, what is this? School of Rock Child Star. Oh, ah, what's going on with the School of Rock kid, kids? I know what happened to a couple of them. A couple of them still have some pretty decent careers. School of Rock, Child Star, which one? Says movie resulted in bullying and addiction, but they don't regret the role. Really? A child star from School of Rock has opened up about their role in the 03 film resulted in them suffering from bullying and addiction. The revelation comes after the release of the documentary Framing Britney Spears, which has prompted other child stars, such as Mara Wilson, to open up about how they were treated by the media at an early age. Which one is she? In an interview with the New York Post, Rivica Reyes, who at the age of ten starred as the uh, bassist Katie, okay, I know which one she is, and the movie alongside Jacka Blaka, opened up about the hardships that this early career success brought them. Okay, I know who she is. Uh, they felt unsafe existing. It caused bullying and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Actors said they were sexualized as a child, and even I, you were not sexualized in School of Rock, maybe by the industry. Uh, you had grown men commenting on message boards while they were still underage, saying that they couldn't wait until she was 18. That's disgusting. What the hell's wrong with people? Reyes, like Britney, was bullied from an early age. However, it wasn't by the media or their Hollywood colleagues, but instead their classmates who made it a difficult experience uh, to live with Offset, Especially after production wrapped when I first came back to school, people were really nice and really mean. There was no middle ground. Well, yeah, I can imagine. Um, they believed they would never be anything more than the school of Rock Girl and that they were desperate to secure another bigger role. See this is where the snowball happens. Corey Feldman was talking about this. He uh, and I agree with him, you know, wants to push for some major restructuring on how we hire kids, you know, for TV and movie roles, which I agree, Corey. I agree with you on that. Um, if you look like uh, look at kids like Judith Barcy who, Uh, that was more her dad than her. But, you know, she wasn't armed with, even Macaulay Culkin talked about this too, that they weren't armed with more of that, you know, they were taught in schools and they had teachers come on the sets, you know, and stuff like that. They made sure that these kids were educated, but no one ever, uh, Macaulay Culkin said this, no one ever, he said that no one ever sat him down and told him, hey man, this ain't real life. This is such an overblown thing. And no one ever taught, set him down and told him, you know, about the industry and how it is and how, you know, you're just working a job. And, you know, someone really needs to make this a part of the uh, experience when you're dealing with child actors, because look what happens to them after they grow up. I mean, look at Jonathan Brandis, the shit that happened with Corey Feldman, Gary Coleman losing his damn mind. You know what I mean? This must be really tough on these kids, especially girls, man. I can't imagine. But, uh... Uh, it uh, You know, uh, Jody Sweetin, you know, people like that. It's just uh, crazy. Leads into uh, addiction, some really wicked stuff. Uh, she says she never regretted starring in School of Rock. It was nothing but love and support from the, well, at least she's saying that the people on the crew, and she's even praising Jack Black herself uh, himself, eh, that, uh, you know, everybody as far as the, because it usually goes the other way. You know, usually hear about the film crew up to some gnarly shit, but she said everybody on the film it was a great environment to work in. It was just uh, no one prepared her, which I, I I do think that film companies should consider. No one prepares them for life after the film. You know what I mean? For fame, how to deal with that shit. There are adults who obviously <laughs> have no idea how to deal with this crap who, you know, aren't even equipped to deal with it. I think, uh, you know, we're with child stars, we're really overlooking the psychology of the whole thing. So I I agree. But uh looks like we're out of time. Wow, we booked this episode, didn't we? We were flying, man. Wow, it's over already. Jeez. So, <laughs> this is why I do double events sometimes. Because I get done, I'm like, man, I can still go. I can go another 40, you know? We gotta end it, so that's it for this week. And remember to go on... Okay, I cannot speak. Let's go backwards in time. Ready? That's it for this week. And remember to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com. For all things me and no disclosure related, if you wish to support the show, smash that little support button or head to Patreon.com slash asylum 817 where you can get everything from outtakes, entire bonus episodes, and early access to shows before I unleash them on the world. Speaking of Patreon, shout out to my patrons, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel. Michelle, Donald, David, you guys keep this thing going. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye, my babies. I love you all. And be fancy. And now Wasabi is asleep. You sleeping? Oh, <laughs> uh, did I wake you up? Jeez. You can start meowing like crazy anytime. What are you done? Awesome. We you know the here. No no has a right to that